Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, all right. That's all. You hear the cannon? That's all the guy which I got. Now beat it. Beat it. Stinking. Digging in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. You Frenchmen fight over the garbage and them louses in the company complain I ain't giving them enough tea. Well, sir, today I could use coffee. Coffee and cigarettes. No coffee. I got a bag of potatoes, bacon, and canned milk. How much? Uh, Four thousand? A pig's eye. I'd rather eat it myself. Think of the poor people who have to buy this, Sergeant. Don't worry. They'll pay. Five thousand. Hand the dough over. Careful, someone might see. Bull. Nobody dares touch me. Listen, I ain't the only one you've been doing business with. You gotta go to Captain Loomis for the gas you've been selling on the black market. <laughs> I ain't the only one. Paris means dough if you know your way around. You gotta know your way around. Right this way, Major Willoughby. I was expecting you. Thank you, your, um... Uh, uh, my friends call me Prince Breskin. Ah, yes. Uh, well, you know, of course, that before the war, I represented the law firm of Coster, Brule, Regan, and Willoughby. I understand. Mm. Prince, suppose I come to the point. Now, your company, Delacroix, worked for the Nazis through the occupation. Uh, just a moment, Major. Are you speaking as the, uh, American army, or... Merely on behalf of our, uh, clients. Uh... Uh, we are interested in the place Delacroix will have after the war. Major Willoughby, there are other factors. Investigating commissions, tribunals. Uh, well, if we can make a uh, preliminary agreement, Prince Breskin, then perhaps we can discuss methods of avoiding unfortunate investigations into Delacroix. Uh, uh, naturally, our arrangement will be confidential. Oh, of course, Major Willoughby. You will find me the soul of discretion. Uh, it will be up to you, Major, to help us avoid interference. And I have every confidence in you. There's the report, Lieutenant. Like I said. Well, what do you want me to do about it? I don't know, sir. But they've arranged to send those DPs we liberated back to the Delacroix mines. Look, Bing, that's not my department. For crying out loud, Lieutenant, these people are being sent back to the same stinking mines where the Nazis had them. Well, after all, Bing, the mines have to be worked. It's no good, Lieutenant. 
If we free Hitler's prisoners and send them back to the same slavery. I thought... Well, I thought you'd see it the way I do. You were behind me on that leaflet. I stuck my neck out. What'll this get us? There's nothing one man can do. That's easy to say, isn't it, Lieutenant? All right, all right. It's probably too late anyway. It's not too late for people who are still alive, Lieutenant. Too late. That's easy to say. All right, cut it out. I'll do what I can. I'll go see the head of Delacroix. Maybe I can find out something. Now, get off my back, Bing. Quit riding me. Sure. Sure, Lieutenant. Oh, I've got the name of the Delacroix big shot for you. Bereskin. Prince Bereskin. Okay. I'll probably get my neck out so far, somebody will snap it off. Colonel DeWitt's back from London, and he's boiling mad already. This little trip will put on the finishing touches. Willoughby, I won't have it. I won't have it in my outfit. Colonel DeWitt, I don't understand. Look at this report. The MPs picked up a Frenchman peddling food from our kitchen on the black market. Named Sereer. Works for Prince Bereskin of the Delacroix Company. I don't understand how I can... Yates here tells me you visited Bereskin. I was saying Bereskin about something else. Did Lieutenant Yates suggest I was involved in it? No, 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 no. He's got something else about DPs being sent back to the Delacroix mines. Oh, that. Why, yes, we're having the mines reopened. I have a report for you, Colonel. We we need the production and... Look, this is off the point. Well, to me, I'm leaving this up to you. Oh, Colonel, if I could question this Surya... Maybe we could get the connection between Delacroix and the Nazis. I'll take care of that, Lieutenant. All right, Willoughby. But get the black market out of our kitchen. I'll give you till tonight. What it? Major? What were you doing visiting Bereskin? They're reopening those mines. The same poor devils the Nazis had in them. That wasn't your job, Yates. Are you protecting Bereskin, Major? There were rumors about him during occupation. I'll be frank with you, Yates. My law firm takes care of Delacroix interests in the States. That's no secret. We're faced with an issue, Yates. We've got to get production started over here. Under the same men who work for the Nazis? Now, you can't run mills without know-how. We don't want chaos and upheaval. Well, no. There is democracy, though. That's not the point, Yates. We've got to get production, or we won't get it without Bereskin. That isn't the only choice. Well, what is? <laughs> it's easy enough to be a man of goodwill on a college campus, Yates. Look, but Major... you're over your head now. Your neck is way out, way out. I, uh... I'm beginning to think it isn't out far enough. Yates, I'm trying to be reasonable. Stick to your duties. You understand? Yes, sir. Good. Now, about this black market business, take that mess sergeant. What's his name? Dondolo. Break him. Get him out of the kitchen. How about the Frenchman? Turn him over to the civil authorities. And Bereskin? Be sensible, Yates. Prince Bereskin doesn't know every two-bit driver who works for him. Would Delacroix be interested in peddling potatoes by the five-pound bag? I guess not. Yates, remember this war isn't over yet. I know. No, not by a long shot. It's going to be tough weather ahead. It looks like rain now. It's going to rain all winter. It's that kind of country. From Hollywood, the NBC University Theater is bringing you Cesar Romero in a radio version of Stephen Heim's The Crusaders. If you are interested in supplementing your enjoyment of these NBC University Theater productions with home study under college supervision, be sure to listen to the announcement at the close of this program.
And now, our intermission commentator, Dr. Harvey C. Webster of the University of Louisville. Were they crusaders, or were they merely conquerors? That is the fundamental question Steffenheim's most sensitive and sympathetic characters ask. To be only conquerors, like the Romans and many other powerful before, was not enough for Sergeant Bing, who had lived among the Nazis, knew how bad they were, knew how good America could be and how bad it might become, was not enough for Lieutenant Yates, who loved, with a diffident, hopeful skepticism, America's promise. There were others, as you have heard, of course, who wanted only to be conquerors, the victors to whom the spoils belonged. All that these others, Major Willoughby, Sergeant Dondolo, Captain Loomis, knew was what they egocentrically wanted. For them, America was promises to the strong who forced the weak against the wall. This dramatization and the interestingly complex 600 pages of the novel upon which it is based is, in other words, more than just a novel about war. It is about America, what it might lamentably or greatly become. For war forces the good and the bad in people and in the society they constitute into a kind of exaggerated clarity. The capacity for sickness or for health that is always there in peace breaks out into heroism, idealism, cowardice, and villainy when war happens. So war is, by a curious paradox, what peace has been making men become, what is making what the peace that follows will become. No good war novel, neither The Excellent, The Naked, and the Dead by Norman Mailer, Irwin Shaw's Admirable, The Young Lions, Alfred Hayes' beautifully wrought All Thy Conquests, nor Mr. Himes' The Crusaders, is only a war novel. It is also a novel about society, the men in it, and the more muted warfare that seems to go on even when we are in periods of technical peace. When you read The Crusaders, as I hope this dramatization will impel you to do, you will discover that both I and the dramatization oversimplify, of necessity, the vivid complexity that is the book. Steffenheim has already established his considerable competence in his two previous novels, Hostages and Of Smiling Peace. From his own war experience, he knows what war does and what the army is like. If you were in the war, you relive it as you read. If you were not, you live it. You begin to share, or you share again, the fears and the horrors and the hopes. You become aware of what man can do and of what he too often badly does. You are shocked out of complacency, surely the gravest disease one can have in a democratic society. You begin to think hard about what our past has been and what our future may become, and you will be grateful, I think, to discover that The Crusaders is an American novel in which an American of good 